1: Special celebrations in a warm family setting help foster self-esteem and creativity, open up communication channels, and more. Such cherished events can be as simple as a Sunday lunch orchestrated by the kids. All it takes is organization, imagination, and a willingness to resist outside interference for a few precious moments. And the best part is, it's never too early to start. Today we're joined by Meg Cox, author of The Book of New Traditions. This is Parent Savers, episode 78. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for parents of newborns, infants, and toddlers. I'm your host, John O'Reill. Thanks again to all of our loyal listeners who have joined the Parent Savers Club. Our members get bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. Not only can they access our archived episodes, but you can as well. If you want to look back into all the episodes we've recorded over the past year plus, those are all unlocked online. Go to Parent Savers, look at our episode guide. There's tons of great content out there. Listen to it, share it, love it. Subscribe to our monthly Parent Savers newsletter for a chance to win a membership to our club each month. And another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Parent Savers app available in the Android and iTunes marketplace. So I'm your host, Joner. As you know, I have three boys, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old, um, Quinner, Whitaker, and Zyler. And we've actually got some cool traditions, I think, that we've established, um, and I'm really excited to talk to uh, Meg about more and about her book as well. Aaron.
0: Hi, my name is Aaron Esteves, I'm, uh, also known as OG Mamacita, and I have one little boy. His name is Cash, and he'll be two in about two weeks. And I'm Sunny. Um, I've got two little boys at home. Sayer, who is three years old, Urban,
3: who's about 18 months, and I'm pregnant with identical twin girls. And mm-hmm. so we're, we're still kind of in the, the stage of trying to develop family traditions, and I'm excited to learn what you guys have done and share what's kind of worked for us so far.
4: And I'm Margarita Salazar, and I have twin boys, and they are three and a half. So I'm very
3: excited to be here today. Oh, nice. I'm,
4: another twin parent. Yep. <laughs> we will bond. <laughs> yes. Meg, how
1: about you?
5: Well, I am. Uh, I'm a late bloomer, so I have one child, and um, he is. Uh, I'm experiencing the empty nest because he's uh, off of college, and I haven't seen him for a month, and uh, I'll be seeing him next week. I'm also a stepmother of a um, of a grown up who has her own child.
3: Oh.
0: Wow.
1: Nice. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. Listener Jessica has a question for us that she emailed us. She wrote, My son was born almost five weeks ago. Our journey to heaven was pretty rocky as we lost our first two babies. My pregnancy was, understandably, unbelievably stressful as I was sure we would lose him as well. Looking back, I hardly enjoyed any of it and now I miss that experience. I love my son dearly and I fought for his survival for so long. However, now that he's here, I find myself grieving my old life with my husband. I feel like my son deserves so much better. I'm constantly sure he's about to die. At the same time, I just desperately want my carefree life back. I'm five weeks out. Is this normal or should I make a call?
3: This is Yvonne Rotemel, licensed clinical social worker. Hi, Jessica. First, I'm so sorry for your two previous losses and I'm sure your pregnancy was wrought with anxiety. How could it not be after what you went through? It is very hard to enjoy a subsequent pregnancy after loss, especially so many losses. Unfortunately, women who lose their baby also lose that blissful naivete that many other pregnant women get to have. Once we go through so much to have a healthy baby as you have, when the baby is finally here and safe, women can have extremely high expectations for themselves as a parent. Women who have been through these losses or have been through a lot of infertility tend to feel guilty for having any negative feelings about their baby or situation after the birth. They think, I wanted this. I worked so hard. I shouldn't be feeling this way. But the truth is, having a baby is all-consuming, life-changing, and challenging. It's normal for you to miss your old life and to wonder, what did I get myself into? Women with a history of loss and infertility can be at higher risk for postpartum mood disorders because of these high expectations, as well as the history of losses and grief. It's also very common to have a lot of postpartum anxiety with the baby that arrives after the loss. When you have been through losses, your assumptive world gets violated. We often talk about depression and grief, but anxiety is a big part of grief. When you have been, given what you've been through, Jessica, I would recommend you talk to someone. It's important that you're getting support. There are treatments to help with postpartum anxiety. Postpartum Support International is a good place to start. They will have local referrals in your area that specialize in the treatment of postpartum mood disorders as well as supports for perinatal loss. And you can find them at www.postpartum.net. It's important that you find professionals who understand perinatal loss and its impact on anxiety and mood because losing a child is both a loss and a trauma and it's understandable that you would be anxious. Once you get the right supports in place, it can help you feel a lot better. You've been through a lot, Jessica. Be gentle with yourself. Take good care of yourself and care enough about you to get the right supports in place.
1: Today's topic is Creating Family Traditions and we're joined by Meg Cox, author of The Book of New Family Traditions. Thanks for joining us.
5: Thank you. I'm really excited to talk to you. This is my favorite topic. <laughs> so, <laughs> when we
1: talk about family traditions, you know, what does that mean to you and why are they so important?
5: Well, family traditions are everything from birthdays and holidays to boo-boos and bedtime. I mean, when you just have a certain way of kissing the boo-boo when your kid falls off the swing, that's a little ritual or a tradition that you have. And they're so important because they really create your sense of family. They are um, giving your kids a sense of identity. This is what people in this family do and how they celebrate and how they live. And they also give them a sense of security, you know, back to that boo-boo thing, you know, because they know every time they fall down uh, and get hurt, you're going to swoop down and and take care of things and and kiss the boo-boo. They can keep taking those steps out into the scary unknown world.
1: Even calling them boo-boos is kind of a tradition, right?
5: Yeah, yeah, that's right. There are traditional words. People have things. Part of a tradition is what you call it. Absolutely.
1: And so it doesn't have to be a big formal event, but rather just how you're dealing with things.
5: Exactly. And that's one of the things one of the biggest lessons I try and impart to new parents because I think when you start out having little ones you're, you know, you're all focused on the big stuff and how you're going to celebrate birthdays and and uh, all of that and you really the little daily things are so important to those those new ones.
1: So how did how did you get started and why how did this become your favorite topic?
5: Well, I spent 17 years on staff uh, at the Wall Street Journal writing about very different things <laughs> from agriculture to culture and um, and then I got pregnant at 40 and uh, I was looking around and, and trying to figure out what would make me a good mom and how could I learn about it and um, sort of do my journalist thing and I just seized on this idea based on some amazing friends of mine who had grown up with these wonderful traditions that if I could figure out family traditions by interviewing families that were great at it and as well as religious educators and psychologists and whatever that I would sort of you know learn how to do this for myself and I could help other
0: people at the same time. Yeah
1: Erin was saying woohoo because she um were you 40 when you were pregnant? Yep
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's the OG in Mamacita for officially geriatric. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing having a a baby at any age but I
5: you know when you when you were sort of know where you are in life I don't know it's just like such a delicious extra there yeah. yeah
4: my twins came this margarita by the way my twins came uh before my 30th birthday but i spent the latter part of my 30s you know trying to get pregnant and trying to work on just creating a family mm-hmm. uh so it took me a while but going back to the topic of uh, traditions it was interesting because as you were speaking uh when you're talking about the boo-boos i was remembering just a simple little anecdotes and Past couple of years with me, and I where I found myself thinking, Oh my god, I turned into my mother. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, yeah. And yeah. It, but it was a good thing, and it wasn't yeah. like a major, like you're saying earlier, John, or it's not it's like an overwhelming, like big event, it was just a little thing, maybe somebody. You know, maybe I called the spoon something. You know that my mom likes to call it, or something kind of small like right. that. But yeah, I remember thinking out you fed loud. The
1: food the same way, and the- yes, yeah.
4: yes. And I learned that from my mom. And you know, of course, I, I turned into my mother, and it, <laughs> in a good way. And, I, and it, I was about to say, and it wasn't yeah. a bad thing. So I was very happy.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> what does it really take to make something a tradition? Um, when does something become a tradition versus just a funny thing that happened one time?
5: <laughs> well, that's a that's a really good question. Um. A lot of it has to do with intention and focus and and meaning. Um, you know, you brush your teeth every day, but you don't think about it. You don't are really invested in, you know, sort of having a deep experience by brushing your teeth. You're probably thinking about something else. And it doesn't, isn't part of a bigger meaning in your life. Whereas a family tradition is um, something that comes out of your passions and your beliefs, and yet it can be, um, Pretty, pretty small, and and part of it when it you know when I say it comes out of intention, well maybe you really want to raise your kids to love books and reading. So, part of your naptime ritual or your bedtime ritual is that you always read a story, and then maybe you have a little song that you do or you know I mean it's just the little things that we add on. It's, I, said, I say in the book that if you every once in a while you sit on your porch and drink lemonade that's not a tradition but if you do it every Friday night and you have the same things and you call it our you know welcome to the weekend party then that's a tradition.
1: Got it. Yeah there's a difference between routine mm-hmm. and tradition. I think you talk about the difference between routine and ritual.
5: Yeah well that, that's you know sort of the brushing your teeth Thing it's it's just um, be more intentional and focus. And one of the things when I'm talking to people about starting rituals is to think of it almost as theater. And I talk in the book about you know how to create a a ritual from scratch, but it really is like theater, and you need to do something that signals like that the curtain is going up. And so um, it's like okay, now we're starting the ritual, and then you do the ritual, and then you end the ritual. But even when you think of something as simple as saying a, a grace at the table. You know, you start by signaling that you're going to say the grace, and, you know, let's hold hands or let's pray or whatever it's going to be, and then you say the prayer, which is the ritual, and then you say amen. That's like the curtain is, you know, it's done. So it's a bit of theater, and so part of that is, you know, those little things that you do to, like, open the curtain, if it's a musical cue or, or you know, it could be a sound, it could be clapping your hands, it could be a bell, you know, that's, that lets people know that this is like, not just ordinary time, something, it's something special. It's kind of heightened. You know, it's like exclamation points and all of that.
1: In your research, did you look back at, um, you know, some of the earliest rituals or traditions that families have done?
5: well i 've done some reading and i 've heard this great book called "The Rituals of Dinner." It even you know talks about cannibals but, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think that um, that if you look way way back it 's really primal stuff, and that 's one reason why we still do it today and it has to do with uh, I would think a handful of things and and you know and part of it is survival so things like um, praying and being um, grateful have to do with the fact that you survived another day and you had a meal. And uh, you know, you you killed the saber toothed tiger or whatever and and then it's, you know, the natural cues, you know, it's like celebrating solstice because eventually somebody realized that after this day, um, you get more sunlight and that was really worth celebrating.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's probably a lot of natural cues.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And we you know we still feel them and we still celebrate a lot of those things. And then of course a lot of that got folded into Christian holidays and Uh, and that sort of thing. So it's, but it's all there. I mean, I think we really just feel it in our bodies, you know?
1: All right. Well, let's, this is a good point. Let's take a quick break. Um, Then in the second half of our talk, we can talk about some specific traditions. Um, I know I've got some stuff that, uh, that we do that I think is interesting to talk about. And I want to hear from everyone else in the room as well as you, Meg. So we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Parent Savers. Today we're talking about creating family traditions. Um, So many of our listeners have really, really young kids. Uh, Maybe they're about to have babies or maybe they have, you know, newborns. Um, What are some traditions that families can start even with, you know, as soon as babies are born?
5: Right. Well, so many, so many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that um, you will... um, do certain things at certain times of the day. And that starts to give your, even a newborn over time, a sense of expectation of knowing when you sing that little song, um, they identify that with going down for um, taking a bath or um, a nap or, you know, whatever it might be. So songs are great and other cues that, you know, transitional things are happening. That's really useful. And then, you know, just there's fun rituals and traditions. You know, I know those like people who do things like they take a picture of the baby um, sitting on the edge of the couch and they take the same picture in the same position, you know, every Friday for the first year or something. I mean, that's the kind of, you know, ritualistic or tradition thing to do. and it's And it's wonderful. So there's so many possibilities.
1: Here, let me jump in on that. One thing that we did, and we didn't mean to do it, it just happened when Christina was pregnant, probably like a lot of other... Couples, we were taking a picture of her every week so we could see her grow. And then when Corner was born, we're like, "Oh, we, we're supposed to take our picture because we'd almost had built that as a family tradition before Corner was born." Um, the family being me and Christina at that point. And then as it as it grew, we took the picture, and then we kind of missed it. So the next week, we took another picture and another. And now corner 6 and we have two other kids and we take a family picture every week.
0: Oh that's so cool.
5: And that's cool. I one love of our that. family traditions and we've got and, I know. love it. That's great.
1: And what's also cool about it is the kids know how to say cheese. Ah. So they either, they either know how to avoid a camera or if a camera comes out, they can like stop, <laughs> give the two second cheese. All right, am I done? And then
3: kind of move along. So what do you do? What do you do with the photos like afterwards? Have you ever compiled them? Yeah, like so
1: them? we save them and I print them out every couple months and we have an album. We actually just filled our first album um, and so we're buying this. It's called The Real Family Volume 1 and then we're filling I up really the, real family the
2: Real Family val- Volume cute. 2.
1: Um, yeah. So I think it's the kind of thing that we're looking to continue at least till the kids are and we're we're uh, empty nesters like Meg <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but maybe that's we'll so keep terrific. it going beyond like that. that So that's awesome Margarita do you have any traditions that you can think of that you guys are doing? yeah
4: there's a couple of things that we've done um, the same thing with photographs that's just such an easy thing to do especially with you know cameras being yeah, exactly. so ready you get your iPhone or your other you know smartphone with a yeah. camera built in and you can snap a, a picture at almost any point okay. um, you know the, every month picture is a great picture to take uh, that's always fun uh, something that we really like to do at least when I say we I mean me and the kids but they like it because I say we like it. (laughs) I take pictures of them in their car seats and obviously the car stopped it's like as soon as I I buckle them in and I look back to see what they're doing just because I you know I can't look back typically when I'm driving so I'm I'm looking back and I just kind of want to see and absorb the moment and then I'll just snap a picture at every single time that I catch them it's something way off base just crazy a finger in an ear you know <laughs> food dribbling down yes. I mean it's it's not a posed picture it's just a capture a moment kind of candid. picture yeah. yeah it's a candid and it's and it's become like a funny thing for me to like email them because it's not just about me it's about sharing so you, you know you said you had the, the book John has right. got a book uh, yeah he's filled my god yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of pictures Right. Um, so I like to email them and uh, I'm not on Facebook uh, anymore because it was just so difficult for me to keep track of everything and everybody so now I just sort of send an email, and because I'm sort of old-fashioned that way, it's it's turned into people like, oh, where's your email? Like, where's the next picture kind of thing? Or I'll, or I'll yeah, exactly. Or I'll text them and people will respond. And it, I think it's a little more personal to send, like, to one person mm-hmm. um, sometimes, even though, obviously, you know, things are changing, people are busy. You do the best you can. Yeah. But yeah, anything that you can do that's, uh, that's that involves family, other family that aren't with you, I think that's helpful.
5: And you know what's great to, um, as the kids get older, is to have some guideline built in so you know the age i love these people who you know it's one thing to do the first day of school picture but you don't remember what year that was you know so now i know a lot of people who like make a sign and it says what grade they're starting you know who their teacher is or that kind of thing and then you can you have that as part of the picture forever
1: yeah i wonder how pinterest is changing traditions because um, i think that people <laughs> are seeing yeah people are seeing. oh, oh other yeah. people did that and giving all sorts of ideas and new pressures on moms as well. Meg, back to you. What are some other of your favorite traditions you've heard um, you know, families doing or that you encourage others to do?
5: Yeah, well, I, um, there's one that I, that I put in the book and we weren't doing it. And then my son saw me talking about it on TV and he said, we have to do that. <laughs> um, and that's a, a family dinner conversation basket.
4: Mm. Oh, that's and
5: fantastic. Yeah, and you just, um, in the book, I have like 50 starter questions, but some of it is fun things like, you know, what's something you can do better than your parents? And another is, you know, oh. if there was a holiday named after you, um, what would people, how would people celebrate it?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great one. That's awesome. That's fun.
4: Holidays are kind of a built in, easy, every month kind of thing to just follow without a whole lot of effort if you really kind of just allow it to sort of happen. Because the schools will celebrate it, Mm -hmm. the stores, I mean, you know, uh, you can't walk into a Costco or a Walmart or Target, and the Mm -hmm. stores are inundated with the seasonal stuff. So even if you're just shopping for groceries, packaging changes. Yeah, yeah, well, I, but it's also fun to sort of, two things I would suggest.
5: One is um, I have a lot of things in the book that are a little bit off the beaten track, like how do you celebrate um, Poetry Month with your kids? You know, and you're not going to see that at at Costco. Right. But which is a great thing to do. It's in April, and it's a great, you know, there's so many great poems for, for kids. It's just so much fun. But the other is make up your own family holiday. I mean, that that's one of the things that's great about traditions for kids growing up in a family is, to, you know, eventually they're going to find out that nobody else in the world celebrates that. You know?
4: It's wonderful.
0: I love that. So do I. At first,
1: maybe they, they go through a series of emotions as they discover it. Right?
4: That, that is so funny.
1: Yeah, that's cute. I think maybe the, our family tradition or the, the tradition now with Costco is, Wait, seriously? They already have their Christmas stuff out? Yeah, a, I know, <laughs> it's a little
0: disturbing. That's the tradition.
1: Is the I cannot believe it's so So, it. if wow, I whatever.
0: if I could just interrupt and jump in, mm-hmm. I'm really wondering about blending family traditions, especially if you come from if the parents come from for example, two opposing religious yeah. foundations, how do you how do you respectfully um, integrate those?
1: Impose your, though. Yeah. <laughs>
0: indoctrinate.
5: Combine it. <laughs> you just plan yours yeah. first. Well, that is a fabulous question, and it does come up a lot. And there are a lot of people who are in that situation, and you really have to start out having a parental conversation before you get the kids involved about priorities and you know what is really important to you, because there are people who are, um, <laughs> excuse me, might be kind of culturally. A certain religion, and then there are others who are really devout, and they're just those things are not really negotiable. And presumably, you, you, you wouldn't have married and started a family if you know that was going to be a problem. But but then when you when you start to navigate them, you know even if you both celebrated Christmas and maybe one of you you opened the presents at the night before and mm-hmm. the other the next day, you have a dilemma.
0: That's that's a, that's the situation at this
5: our house. Is
1: a huge dilemma for us. So,
5: so the choice is either. Well, there's several choices. One is that it's more important to one parent or the other, and you make that you go with them. Another way to do it is you take turns. Mm. One year you open it on Christmas Eve, and the next year, you know, kids kind of like it to be the same every year. Right. So um, sometimes with with families, what they do is that they do it um, more than one way. I mean, there's an example in the book of a family where, uh, and, and then their divorce comp- complicates things. Where. Um, the uh, the father is remarried and the kids have like traditional Thanksgiving with their um, with their mom, and then um, a week later or on the weekend they have a completely different Thanksgiving celebration yeah. with the the dad and stepmom where it's it's like um, picnic Thanksgiving you know um, or it's like um, turkey dogs and s'mores.
1: And I think it's important to be able to work together. You know, one of the things that like as much as Christina and I butt heads about you know how to do Christmas we're able to work really hard on figuring it out because we want something to be the same for our kids. And at the end of the day, we're teammates mm-hmm. and we're friends. Um, and so we're willing to work through it. Um, and so it would probably be really hard to not be able to work through it. And hopefully parents, even from different spots, can still, like in your example, when they have two Thanksgivings, come up with ways that make it work for everybody.
5: Yeah, and the, and also a sort of another alternative that I didn't really mention but I think is also nice is – you don't do it either way. You come up with a new way. That yeah. is, this is the way this family is going to do it. And, you know, but it's just that there has to be a real, um, there has to be trust and the kind of relationship that you're talking about. And then there has to be a buy-in that, yeah, this, let's do it different. You know, we have a chance to do it differently. And this is what feels right to us. And maybe your you know, parents were meat eaters. You want to do a vegan Thanksgiving. I mean, there are just so many different ways that, that you might differ but it but you got to sort of somehow get on the same page and and sometimes that is the best way to do that is to start a new page, a new tradition. Yeah.
1: And it all goes to that intention that we talked about in the first part and that families really want to have this intention because it is such a I mean as you get older these are the memories that you're going to think about when you think family, it's the traditions that you're going to be thinking about.
5: Right. And you want them to be happy ones.
1: Yep. What so I was reading a little bit you talked about problem-solving traditions. Is that sort of like the whole you know, how you treat a boo-boo?
5: Yes. uh, You know, this is one of the things that I wish um, more parents, uh, new parents knew about, is that problem-solving traditions are like wizard powers. I mean, (laughs) you can head off so many tantrums if you just do something to um, take their mind off it, and do something that's silly. And there are a whole bunch of different uh, descriptions of ways to do this in the book. But one of them is, you know, is that everybody's having a tantrum. How do you stop that? And there's one, like one family, for example, you you get goofy and you get silly and you change, you, you know, get their attention on something else. And there's a family that when people are, you know, acting out and and getting nasty, they have what they call crazy dance party. And they do, um, they get near, you know, we're all near music now. We just, take out our phones but you do a countdown nine eight seven six you know you get to one and you turn on loud music and you all dance like maniacs and you know <laughs> then you're laughing and you know you get past it and there's just a million ways to do that you know whether it's <clears throat> having a, a silly song or story that you do in the supermarket to distract that that's always a transitional issue or um but there's just so many different ways to do that because, uh, you know, those things are tough and, and they're, the, the problem solving um, rituals are needed during those rough spots that are the predictable rough spots you know, you know, this is always when the meltdown happens. And, um, So one of my favorites, when you ask about my favorite um, traditions, there's one in the book called Yes Day. And, you know, this uh, mom came up with this idea because she got sick of having to say no to her kids all the time, like, you know, no, I can't stop and play with you. I'm cooking dinner. So whenever there's something her girls want to do, they write it down on a slip of paper and they put it in the Yes Jar. And one Saturday a month is Yes Day, and they each get to pick things out of the Yes Jar to do.
1: Do they just pick them blindly, or they do they root through them? (laughs) No, I think they consider. (laughs) Do I want to
5: go to the zoo today, or you know, wear my tutu, or what? You know,
4: whatever it might be. I think they pick. Oh, this is what I feel like today. Nice,
1: that's awesome.
4: Yeah, when you were saying Meg about problem solving traditions, I think it's also an. I I mean, I'm I'm thinking that something is uh, a part of the book. Um, where you use the same language or buzzwords to address a particular type of behavior. So my kids, are they're only three and you know a half, and you know, they, they've learned it's not okay. They learned that at school. Um, they're in a special ed class. Or they're, they're both autistic. So uh, they do a little thumbs down, not okay sort of thing. It's super cute. So that actually was never anything in my family's dialogue until my children arrived. So now everybody in the house <laughs> uses it's not okay. <laughs> and we all have adopted it. It's not okay. That's really good, that's very powerful, yeah, we've all adopted, and I think it's good and it's becomes now something not not a not a joke but more of a something that we all use so it's it's, it's actually that's very helpful, lovely. yeah.
5: Yeah, and it's, taken, it's spread through the whole family, which is good, too. And, you know, another problem-solving ritual we all know about, well, bedtime rituals are problem-solving rituals, but, you know, <laughs> drop-off. Daycare, um, daycare or school, you know, for a younger child, just having that little ritual where it's, you know, saving up kisses for mommy or a special goodbye or whatever it might be. Really yeah. helpful.
1: That, yeah, that is helpful for sure.
4: Yeah, I think it goes to consistency. And if I can add, there's one particular ritual that I remember that Meg will remember that Meg will soon be um, probably privy to. It's the laundry home ritual. <laughs> 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 so when your son comes to see you
0: <laughs> from college, <laughs> there will always be laundry in tow. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a new it's a new You're tradition. You're still
1: creating family traditions, Meg. And it's oh yeah. and it'll Absolutely. be
0: problem solving, right, Meg? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I find it really fascinating that you that you put things like problem solving in the ritual category because I never would have considered it as such. But it's just now it just seems so blatant, and before it it was I didn't right. even see it. That when you way. think about
1: this, you're thinking. Where do we put our forks on Thanksgiving? And that's not the tradition at all.
0: Well, the tradition is when do we buy the turkey, you know, or so, but right no, I'm just saying yeah. like the problem solving or the boo-boo issue and how we respond to situations. Right. I, I just think it's fabulous. And I, I, I appreciate you putting it in that perspective for me.
5: Oh, thank you. Well, no, it's really huge. And it really is. Once you start doing that, it really helps you because you can sort of go through your whole daily schedule and say, these are the times. And it's, you know, you know, immediately. Which are the ones?
1: So any more great tips do you have for new parents to help create traditions?
5: Well, just don't be put off by that word, tradition. Yeah. You know, do have a good time. And I think that my last bit of advice would be um, to pat yourself on the back for not being perfect. Because um, the rituals, the traditions, and the, and the ceremonies and celebrations that your kids are going to remember are the ones where something goes wrong. You know, if you forget to turn on the oven at Thanksgiving or the dog ate the cake, calm down. <laughs> this, you'll never forget this day, ever. And, you know, you will not starve. You will, you'll figure something else uh, else out. And um, so, you know, keep a sense of humor and, and do not, this is like the best thing you can model for your kids. That, you know, because we, we can get stressed out about That's these true. things. Yep.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Meg. Why don't you tell uh, our listeners who want a little more information how they can um, go about getting your book or find out more about you?
5: Yes. Well, my website, megcox.com, has a lot of great information and links to it. And there's there's even a trailer there. um, There's a list of my other books, and you can see a a book trailer about the book of New Family Traditions.
1: Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and thanks um, for everyone in the room for joining us, and thanks for listening to all of our listeners as well. For more information about family traditions, more information about Meg or any of our panelists, visit the episode page on our website. Um, we're going to continue the conversation for members of our Parent Savers Club. After the show, Meg's going to tell us a little bit more about some surprisingly popular traditions that maybe we wish weren't still popular, but that still <laughs> are around. Um, so make sure that's going to be some interesting conversation for our parents Club members.
2: Hello, Parent Savers. I'm Amy Sorter, ecopreneur and co-founder of ecosavvymoms.com, where you can find information for your family on going green, saving money, and looking great doing it. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of reducing your energy costs and saving money by following a few general rules. One of the biggest things I like to do is monitor my AC usage. Central air conditioning can be the biggest energy user. I know it accounts for up to 33% of your energy bill. What I like to do is keep energy costs down by regularly changing or cleaning the unit's filters and always setting it to 78 degrees between 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Better yet, consider using ceiling or room fans instead of central AC to save up to 90% on your cooling costs. You will see a big change in your energy bill. Now, important also, too, to keep your kids involved in trapping the cold air in the house. Saving energy is keeping warm air out and not letting the cool air escape. To do so, make sure your windows and doors are lined with weather stripping, and don't forget to remind your children to keep those doors closed while the AC is running. The refrigerator can be another big energy user, gobbling up 20% of the energy your home uses. Help it run more efficiently by cleaning the coils, making sure the seals are nice and tight, and maintaining the right temperature setting. Another thing I like to do is minimize my hot water usage. To save energy wasted by the hot water heater, I usually set the device to approximately 120 degrees. I wash my clothes and the dishes in cold water instead of hot water, and also I've installed low-flow shower heads and faucet aerators to help save water and other energy used. Another important thing, dim the lights. Well, not literally, but I like to do a save energy cost all year round with energy efficient lighting. CFLs use 75% less energy and last up to 10 times longer than incandescent lighting. And the last thing, of course, is beware of energy vampires. I know vampires are all the rage these days, but energy vampires aren't. Some products like DVD players, office equipment, video games, phone chargers, those kind of folks continue to draw power even when they're turned off or in standby mode. If an electronic device has a glowing red or green light, chances are it's using phantom power. And depending on how many of these energy vampires you have around your house, this wasted energy can really add up. Inexpensive gadgets like energy use monitors, power timers, and smart strips can help reduce phantom power and lower your energy use by up to 15%. For more information on how to reduce your energy costs and other parent-friendly eco tips, visit www.ecosavvymoms.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash moms, And don't forget to make it a green day.
1: That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you all listening to Parent Savers. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, our show, The Boob Group for Moms Who Breastfeed Their Babies, and our new show, Twin Talks, for parents who are either expecting or have twins. Next week on Parent Savers, we're going to be talking about teaching your kid multiple languages, the pros, the cons, some of the details about it. Um, I know Aaron has a lot of experience with that as well. It should be a great conversation. This is Parent Savers. Thanks for joining us. We are empowering new parents.
4: and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider.
3: Hey, mamas